Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. So you'll hear me often talk about gladiator kids in my podcast. And to me, that's a child who just has a super strong counter will. Everything's no, everything's why, everything's not now, everything's in a minute. And there can be a number of reasons for this. You know, it could be ADHD. It could be your child's on the spectrum. It could be just, they're just temperamentally built this way. But there is something called pathological demand avoidance, which I think threads through a lot of kids that have these characteristics. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that today. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So what is pathological demand avoidance? So this is characterized by overwhelming or obsessional need to resist or avoid demands. Like just an absolute almost reflex, right? It's just an instantaneous pushback against anything they're asked to do that didn't originate in their head. So this leads to meltdowns, in some cases, really aggressive or even violent outbursts from the child. And it's pretty common with kids who have this um, to really engage in avoidant behaviors to a much uh, more extreme degree than other kids. So, you know, this resistance, this no, this kind of pushback has a lot to do with anxiety and a lot to do with a fear of sort of a lack of control. So anxiety, we tend to think of anxiety, you know, with kids who hide behind their moms or, you know, teenagers who are afraid to go out and, you know, nail biting and I'm scared and I don't want to. Um, but anxiety can also look like really rigid, prickly, controlling um, behavior. That's my chair. I'm going first. I sit there. You can't have this. That's mine. So really kind of um, ordering people around and being super reactive to any kind of facial expressions or tone in voice. So you'll, you'll see anxiety. It'll either flip flop in these two different ways, or it'll predominantly be one or the other in, in someone. So it'll either go inward or it will go outward. So kids that have pathological demand avoidance tend to spend a great deal of time and energy trying to control all the conditions in their life, which is exhausting. And the more their environment is malleable, the more they can bend their environment, the more adults give into that, the more it feeds the anxiety. The brain gets the idea like, oh, okay, well, I feel better now because I got my way. So now I need to sort of do that every time. And hey, why don't I just start at a higher level next time and save all this build up to it so that I'll get my way faster. Um, and that ends up kind of being this crazy feedback loop where you just don't even recognize your child or yourself. And you're stuck in this um, kind of cycle where they're avoiding all your requests. They are pushing back and they're absolutely, this is kind of feeding back on itself and it's becoming more extreme. So I think the best way to think about this, and I've actually asked my gladiator kids that I work with in in therapy, I've asked them like, what happens in your body when your parent or another adult asks you to do something? 
And a lot of kids will say to me, I don't, it's not even a thought. It's literally a feeling. It is an, it is a reflex that I automatically just say no. My instinct is no before the person has even finished the question. This is why you'll often see with kids like this, they'll say no to something they actually want to do without even realizing that it's something that they want to do. So it's really quite a strong reflex for them. And it's part of why they you know, feel anxious and they know they're actually going to blow things and sometimes tend to ruin things. Um, they're aware to a certain degree that this happens, but it is such a reflex and they don't have a lot of tools to deal with it. So here's some things you can do as a parent to help your child if you think they have this or if they have sort of shades of this. So the first thing you have to understand is these kids are power kids. So if you present something as an order or as a demand, and you could literally say this in the gentlest way and they will still hear it as a demand. You could say, honey, hang up your coat, please. And they'll hear, hang on your coat right now. Even though that's not what you said, they'll feel it that way, which makes it really complicated. So the first thing you have to do is connect before correct. This is incredibly important for kids that have this kind of resistance to demands. So before you ask them to hang up the coat, you say, I know you're tired and you probably want your snack and you're kind of exhausted. In the next five minutes though, could you hang up your coat for me? Or would you mind hanging up your coat? So what you're doing is you're connecting first before you're requesting. So you're, you're adding a little bit of oxytocin, a little bit of serotonin. You're kind of softening the situation with words and with language and with connection before you ask them to do what they need to do. So a lot of parents will say to me, why should I have to do that? That's exhausting. I don't have time. My answer is you don't have time not to do it. And as you build on these kind of moments and these neural pathways where your child actually complies and they sort of, they, they end up building the neural pathways in their brain. That's like, oh, I, I did it and I don't feel so bad. And oh, that wasn't so hard. And I actually really liked the response that I got from my parents there. That's better than, you know, 15 minutes of them nagging me or yelling you're building those neural pathways. You're actually creating change this way. You're just kind of softening it. You're going around it a different way. Because if you have a child that has this, you've already learned that meeting them head to head, going toe to toe does not work. It only escalates them. It escalates you. It, 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 it frays and tears down the bonding that needs to happen. And it leaves you angry with your child. It leaves your child angry with you. So connect before you correct, burn that into your brains. That's a really important thing to do with kids that have this really resistant personality. So after you've connected, you want to really think about words. Words are incredibly powerful. Words have intention. Words have feeling. Words literally have a vibration to them. So if, if I were to say to you, you know, just say a swear word at you, you're going to feel a little shock through your body. Now, you're going to feel it. If I say, you know, chubby baby or puppy, you're going to have a completely different feeling in your body. So the words that you choose are really important. And this takes a little bit of practice, but it will make a huge difference in your family if you can do this. So instead of saying, honey, hang that up, please. This is after you've connected, by the way. You say to them, hey, can we work together to help keep the hall more tidy so people don't trip on things? Or you can say, how do you feel about doing this? Or you give them what's called a perceived choice. Um, I know you're busy and I got a lot to do. I love to have that um, code hung up and the, your stuff from school tidied up, but I'm going to give you a choice. Do you want to do it now? Or do you want to do it after your snack? 
So you give them a perceived choice. So you're still asking them to do the task, but you're giving them a little bit of leeway, a little bit of power to decide when they want to do that task and what order they may want to do that task in. These kids are incredibly sensitive and very tonal, which means they're going to hear things in your voice that either aren't there at all or that are there and you think they're not there, right? They're going to hear a little bit of anger. They're going to hear just a little note of exasperation. When you think you're doing your best job at being neutral, they're going to hear that. That gets amplified because they're so hypersensitive. And in many cases, their own sense of self and self-esteem is kind of fragile. So they're going to be injured by things that um, a more typical kid may not even notice. Like, I mean, it might just wash right off them, but they will, it sticks to them. They're, it absolutely sticks. The other thing that's really important to remember is if you feel like you've said something in a tone that they've misinterpreted or it's hurt them, really try to notice it. Look in their eyes and go, you know what? I think you heard something in my voice there. There was a sound in my voice that you did not like. What did that feel like for you? Ask them questions about how to be, you, that was me. You said that in a mean way. And then you mirror and you're like, you know what? That did that hurt your feelings. That felt like really harsh when I said that. And that, that probably makes you not want to do it. I get it. Just take half a second to connect. And then you can say, but you know what? I was just really in a hurry or I, um, I didn't realize that I was saying it in a way that actually affected your heart like that. So I'm going to really try to work on that. Um, and see if you can sort of work together to see if that's going to pull the compliance out of the child. I realize this sounds like a lot of work, but I promise you it is not more work than fighting like 30 times an hour about this stuff. It, and it takes a little bit of practice, but it, it's really quite magical. It really does work. You know, parents often ask me too, well, if I do this, is my child going to expect the entire world to do this? I can't, I can't tell the gym teacher to talk to my child like this or the teacher. And the truth is you don't have to. If you can build this up at home, if this can be um, a, a language and a, a way that you kind of approach your child at home, it will actually build them up from the inside out. They won't need other adults to speak to them this way. This will actually kind of cool down their system a little bit and help them have that thicker skin, give them those kind of stronger emotional shock absorbers so they can actually handle um, requests. And what will often happen with kids like this is they'll store stuff like that, you know, a way that the teacher talked to them or a friend talked to them or, you know, a coach, they will store that up. They won't necessarily let anybody know in the outside world that they've been bothered, but they will come home. And the first time you ask them to do something, you're going to get like a whole load of things that they didn't react to at school. So beginning to have this conversation and certainly not in the moment, but maybe later at bedtime, just say like, what do you do at school when a teacher says something in a way that kind of hurts your heart? What does that feel like? Get them to talk about it and then say, what do you do with those feelings? And then you can wonder out loud, hmm, okay, that makes sense. Cause now I understand that maybe when you come home, all the stuff that you really wanted to say to your teacher it's just easier to say to mom or dad because you know that we love you. And then you can then you can have this conversation about tools and you know calming yourself down and breathing and all the things that can be really helpful. So you know, in terms of having that flash reaction at home. Um, the other thing that's really important, and I, I talk about this a lot with gladiator kids, is glare. So 
If you are reflecting too much emotion back in your mirroring and when you're using the calm technique and go back to episode one or two, if you want to refresh her on that, if you are kind of zeroing in on too much emotion, that will be glare for them. They, they will not stop it. Stop saying that it's like amplifying what they're feeling. So you might want to choose a detail. So what is it about the way that I asked that? And what, or what is it about the, you know, the timing of that, that made you get so mad? Like actually pick a detail and that actually can help a lot. This is also true with praise. So if they do actually do the thing that you asked them to do, and you're like, oh my gosh, look at you. That was so great. Thank you so much for listening to me. That is way too much glare. They also realize that it's something that any kid should do, and they probably should have done. And it actually insults them to get praised for something they know is quite a simple task. So you're in a bit of a dilemma with that. So when you do praise, make sure that the praise is quite neutral. Right. Make sure that it's like, okay, nice. Thank you. Right. And and you're gonna have to really play around with your with your tone because each child hears different things. So make sure you're really kind of getting good at that language. It's kind of think of it like a like a musicality, like just hitting the right note with your child. And the other thing that really, really helps is windows. So a child that has this kind of demand avoidance, you cannot stare at them, hang over them, and expect them to do it. It's, it will almost never happen if you do it that way. So you connect first, you connect before you correct, you give them some kind of perceived choice, and then you say, you know what, I'm going to leave you. I trust you to make the right decision. Pretty sure when I come back in a few minutes, you will have hung that up or gotten your raincoat on or done, you know, finished the dishwasher or whatever the request is. If you remove yourself and don't stand over them, they're going to be much more likely to do it. And then of course leads into when they do do it, that you don't make a huge, don't have a parade. It's just like, nice, thank you so much. Like just a really simple, strong uh, bit of praise will help a lot. The other thing that's really important here is the protest. These kids will almost 100% of the time give you a, an immediate reflexive protest. No, not now, in a minute, no. Like they'll, they'll literally push back sometimes. So expect that protest. If you expect them to go, okay, mom, no problem. You're going to be disappointed and frustrated every time that frustration is going to now add to the dynamic and the interaction. They're then going to pick up on that, on that tonal stuff that's going on underneath your words. And you're going to have a much more explosive event. So before you give a request, you need to ground yourself. You need to breathe. You need to relax. You need to relax your jaw and your shoulders and relax your tongue Think about your words, plan how you're going to connect first, and that will really help. And then expect the protest. If you get sucked right into this, you are going to do that. And why can't I ever ask you to do anything? And your brother's already done it and you're exhausting. When If you get sucked into the protest, you're part of the problem. So what happens is they will often have this kind of protest response in order to get a jolt of adrenaline and cortisol in their brain to light up the frontal lobe to get their brain to actually move, to get the cingulate system in the brain to actually direct them to a new task, to shift them to something else. So in the beginning, the protest is actually part of how they medicate themselves to actually do the task that they're supposed to do, or dig down and not do the task and feel justified in not doing the task because you were so mean the way you asked. So it's really important to ignore the protest. And I know this is a tough one because it means it means ignoring behavior that's really rude. You can address the behavior later. 
That's when we do our best parenting. Hey, you know what? And you always mirror first. I know it was so frustrating when you were, you were involved in whatever. And I asked you to stop and do X. I get that. I was thinking about that later. And you know what? I hate that when people do that to me too. And so you kind of start with that mirroring. And then you say, but I'm going to be honest with you. The way that you talk to me and the words that you choose are not okay. So the next time you respond to me like that, please understand this is going to be the consequence. They will already have a protest about that, but just ignore that and just say, just understand that's going to be the cost of choosing words like that or choosing behavior like that. So you can actually address it later and or before. We're not going to do our best parenting in the moment. So you're going to, you're going to just ignore the protest, walk away and leave them. And I'm, and most of the time, these kids will do it. They will eventually do it. They might be stomping and making a lot of noise and clanging around when they do it, but they will do it. And again, when they do do it, you have that kind of neutral praise response. If they don't do it, that's when later you say, okay, here, here's what I need you to do. And this is not, so it's the must do's before the can do's until that dishwasher is unloaded, until you've done X that I've asked you to do, you are not getting your devices and that's your choice. And you can be mad and hey, I'd be mad too. I hate being controlled also, but you're actually the one controlling it. So when you choose to do the task you need to do, you will be, you will earn your device or whatever it is that they're asking for. So I know this sounds simple and I know in the moment, this is really, really difficult to actually execute. So just work on bringing elements and pieces of this into your, um, into your repertoire with your super strong-willed counter-willed child. Um, if you think your child has um, pathological demand avoidance, and, and it's really quite extreme in order to get this diagnosis, but you can speak to your uh, child's pediatrician, or if your child's working with a therapist, that's something that you can mention. But I'm talking about it mostly because I want parents to understand this is especially with, with kids that are super sassy and spicy, you know, the kind of gladiator kids that I affectionately talk about. They really do have this. And they're quite aware sometimes that it is an absolute reflex that they don't always have control over. So these are just a few things that you can do um, with your child who is super, super resistant and has that incredibly powerful reflex response. It is not easy, but some of these things will really, really help. And if you want more information, please go to connectedparenting.com. I've got all kinds of uh, resources for you. You've got online classes, got mini courses, we have classes, you know, where I, you know, engage with people and once a month I'm showing up for um, coaching calls with everyone. And I love interacting with people from all over the world. It's a lot of fun. I've got my books. We have a whole team of professionals at Connected Parenting that can help you on your Connected Parenting journey. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next time on the next episode of Connected Parenting.